When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Turf Show Lions, the, excuse me, Turf Show Times, a Detroit Lions podcast about the Rams. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me this week is J.B. Scott. We're here to talk about the Detroit Rams led by Matthew Goff. And, you know, I couldn't be happier to be talking about this team and, uh, and uh, just waiting to see what uh, Stafford has in store for Detroit. I'm sorry, uh, the Los Angeles Rams ahead. Um, every week we talk about the Rams and how the Rams are doing. And if the Rams are doing well, we'll say they're doing well. If they're doing poorly, we'll say they're doing poorly. And if they're one and one, we'll say that they're one and one. And right now the Rams are one and one. There's positives. There's negatives. There's not as many positives as winning the Super Bowl. There's not as many negatives as, uh, you know, having Steve Spagnuolo, you know. So there's a, a lot of things in between. And, you know, this week we are talking about Matthew Stafford. We're also going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals in week three, the matchups, how the Rams can sort of rebound from their two-game start where they haven't exactly played their best football. Um, But let's start with Matthew Stafford. JB, this morning you wrote about Stafford, and there was a reaction to that. And I think that the reaction that I saw on my end, both from the comments on Turf Show Times and on Twitter, from people who saw just the tweet, were vastly different reactions because – People who on the comments side, people who had read the article, I thought all the comments were very fair, reasonable, whether they had agreed or they disagreed. They said, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. And then people who were on Twitter who didn't read the article, well, they had a totally different reaction. They didn't really care what you had to say. They just didn't like what you were saying. So tell me, what was the impetus that got you started to say, is Matthew Stafford turning the Rams into the Lions. Yeah, and it's perfectly fair to disagree um, with the idea that, you know, I'm a process-oriented person, so sometimes you have to put results aside, and I understand the Rams won the Super Bowl a year ago. I understand that they're 1-1 one one this year, and you beat the Atlanta Falcons this weekend, but it, didn't, it wouldn't take much for that game to go differently. Maybe a different quarterback on the Atlanta sideline Someone a little bit better than Marcus Mariota could have made you pay for your mistakes. But I just look at this Rams team, and yeah, they won the Super Bowl a year ago, but they haven't really given me Super Bowl contending vibes in 2022, and that's what matters. And um, we're talking about the 2022 Rams and what they're capable of achieving this season. And when I look at the offense, it's pretty limited. Uh, It's not a lot of plays downfield. It's a lot of mistakes. It's a lot of turnovers. And I just think, this is more like the Lions team we've seen with Matthew Stafford at the helm than the Los Angeles Rams team we've seen with Matthew Stafford at the helm. A lack of running game, a lack of putting teams away. Uh, it's a big concern for the Rams. I think they look more like a 500 team than someone who's going to win the Lombardi Trophy this year. Yeah, I think that's fair because, I mean, at the very least, it's fair to say how the Rams have looked in two games. If somebody says, well, I don't care how they looked in, in the first two games, the Rams had a three-game losing streak last year. They didn't work especially close in any of those losses. They looked outmatched against those opponents, and then they won the Super Bowl. You know, fine, that's fair. You can think that the next 15 games are going to go better, but at the end of the day, two games, there's only been a couple of teams worse than the Rams. And I am counting the fact that the Falcons, in my estimation, are about a four-win team. So to take the Falcons, a 4-13 and team, to play poorly against them in the second half, when you have, you're missing those components and the running game, right? Like you can't, this is what I think is so silly about the argument against running backs and, oh, well, you know, it's not just about how you run 30 times to win a game, right? Like everyone talks about, 
oh, well, my record is X and X when the team runs 30 times and people go, yeah, because you're running because you're winning. It's like, yeah, you got to run out the clock. That's how it works. And the reason that teams don't run the clock yet, you know, they have 27 runs or they have 22 runs and then they ended up losing the lead. Well, that's because they didn't have a successful running attack. You know, you want to be able to say, how do I have a seven minute drive in the fourth quarter when I have a 10 point lead? Well, you got to have a successful running attack. So that's where it's so silly to think that the, 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 the numbers don't matter. You know, it's like, well, how do they get those? That's what the only reason they have the record is because they were already winning. Yeah. Well, as we saw in week two against the Falcons, the Rams couldn't hold the lead. And like, and like you're saying, JB, Marcus Mariota is one of the, let's just say, least likely starting quarterbacks in the NFL. He has spent the last two and a half years as a backup. He is coming into this season starting really only because Arthur Smith has a familiar relationship with him based on their time in Tennessee. He's got less to teach Mariota as the Falcons essentially gear up to draft a quarterback next year. And that's it. It's the same thing the Seahawks are doing. They don't have to teach Geno Smith anything about the offense. So that's why they're like, well, even if he hasn't served for eight years, let's just go with Geno Smith. So the, uh, the, the Rams are playing the Falcons against Mariota if they were playing the Falcons against even Desmond Ritter I don't know maybe that would be a different outcome if they were playing the Falcons next year with a different quarterback if the Falcons didn't trade Matt Ryan even though Matt Ryan looks atrocious right now you know these are all things that would say the Rams aren't far away from being 0 and 2 and they got blown out by the Bills the Bills did blow out the Titans in week two as well um, but I don't even know if the Titans are that good right now so it is just a saying of like, well, the Rams are bad right now. I mean, based on these two games um, and Stafford throwing five interceptions while being one of the safest kind of quarterbacks at the same time, as I wrote this week about how he's cited as he's throwing into uh, tight windows less than any other quarterback. So his interceptions are coming, you know, in very various ways. What are your thoughts about the, the way that Stafford's interceptions have come about? Because sometimes you know, it's like, oh, well, this is a tipped pass or, you know, sometimes interceptions are, oh, it's an end of half Hail Mary. What are these throws and what do these interceptions tell you about Stafford's season? Yeah, when looking at the five in total, I think two really stand out. And the first one is against the Buffalo Bills when he's throwing that comeback route. And it's I think it's behind Tyler Higby is who the intended target was. And, you know, the safety just jumps the route. It was a pretty egregious mistake. And uh, just not a throw NFL quarterbacks can afford to make. And then against the Falcons in week two, that end zone shot again to Tyler Higby. Um, he was blanketed the entire way down the field. The Stafford still tries to throw the ball. Maybe he misread the coverage. Maybe he thought it was cover two and it was really cover four. And that corner was going to release Higby down the field. And you know, maybe the safety wasn't where he needed to be. But it ended up being, you know, the, the corner followed him all the way down the field. And Hayward was in perfect position to make the interception. So, I give there are some interceptions I give Stafford less blame, right? And you talk about the second one this weekend against the Atlanta Falcons, where you know Michael Walker just makes an impressive play for a middle linebacker. And not every middle linebacker, you know, like the Troy Readers, for example, in the NFL are capable of making that play. And you know, quarterbacks sometimes, you know, they think they can fit it over a guy's head. It's the degree of difficulty for some of these throws when you have to layer it in and get it just over people's head but below someone else, that's not an easy thing to do. And, you know, sometimes defensive players, hey, they get paid too. They're going to make the play. But one thing that has stuck with me since the Bills game is just how much better Josh Allen looked than Matthew Stafford. And I think there is a separation between, at least right now, things can change over the course of the season, of course, is the degree of separation between Matthew Stafford and these elite level quarterbacks. I just, he's just not in the same ballpark at this moment as Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert and all the, you know, that core of guys. So maybe even you put Kyler Murray in there after his impressive comeback this weekend, and that's who he's going up against this week. So um, I just think, yeah, it's a fair point that sure. Every, for every interception, he throws five to six big time throws and makes up for that a little bit, but you can say the same thing about any other top tier quarterback in the NFL. I don't know why we don't, why we exempt him from criticism in that regard. And I don't know why we give him the benefit of the doubt. He's been in the NFL 14 years or so. 
Uh, he's making mistakes that you would expect out of a rookie. And, you know, we're still treating him like Trevor Lawrence, where, yeah, he has a top-tier talent, but at the end of the day, we just expect him to be better. And if the Rams want to get where they are planning to go this year, and that's contending for the Super Bowl, he flat out has to improve. And I think it's a big concern for the team moving forward. Yeah, I think those are good points, you know, and, and you're even being generous. I think in the big time throws reading uh, Blaine Grissack, another re, uh, writer of ours at Turp Show Times, he says Matthew Stafford threw 47 big time throws, uh, which was the most uh, in the league, including playoffs, and he threw 20 interceptions. So it's it's like 2.2 or 2.1 to 1, which is uh, I don't know how that ratio stands out, to be honest with you, but I do know this. You know, Stafford threw 741 passes last year, and that is the uh, eighth most uh, passes or seventh most passes ever thrown in a single season, over 21 games that Stafford played in. And I think about how, you know, when a running back has 400 carries, we don't do that anymore, you know, because every time a running back would get to 400 carries in the past, the next year he would get injured or he would get hurt, or he would not play, I don't know, injury and hurt, same thing. But then he would not play the same. And so then you have committees, and then you start spreading that out. Well, now the NFL goes to a 17-game schedule. You can easily play in 21 games if you reach the Super Bowl. And that's what happened. 741 throws, he threw 20 interceptions. And that may not seem like that much on 741 throws, but do consider this. Every other quarterback who threw more pass attempts in a season threw fewer interceptions and that was on more pass attempts last year Tom Brady had an NFL record 810 passing attempts he only had 13 interceptions Stafford had 20 interceptions um, and they had almost the same amount of touchdown passes so the ratio the quality of those throws um, I think uh, Brady had a better statistical season, um, and it wasn't the first time that he's done that. He also, in his first season with the Bucks, threw 748 passes. He had 50 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Um, the only person that's really comparable in interceptions, or at least not comparable, he's way above that, was Drew Bledsoe, who had 741 attempts in 1994, and he threw 30 interceptions. But it is a high rate of interceptions, and then you come into this year throwing five interceptions in your first two games. And I agree. It was a nice play by a nice player, Michael Walker, but you know, that was a, that was a throw that Stafford made into uh, one of those areas where a player could get to it. And uh, you know, those are all uh, mistakes that have to be made up for or accounted for, or you will end up potentially blowing a 28 to three lead. So the Rams are heavily predicated on this philosophy of, get six or seven elite talents and then build around that and try and just out talent the other team. It worked last season, especially after acquiring Von Miller. And after that three game losing streak, the Rams winning most of their games and there was an out talent OBJ being another part of that where he had so much more talent. JB, do you have any fears that uh, without OBJ, without Von Miller, uh, without, Andrew Whitworth, you know, several changes on the offensive line, injuries. Um, you know, now we've got Bryson Hopkins suspended for three games. So tight end, which was already thin, is extremely thin. Uh, do you think that maybe there is a talent disparity between last year's team and this year's team? Yeah, I, I would just say it's a small sample size. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey's had a rough start to the year. Uh, we haven't really seen much impact from an edge rusher. Maybe they acquire someone. You know, Bobby Wagner is a new addition to this team, and he's been good in the first two games. Uh, surprisingly effective as a pass rusher. I know he um, was in that regard with the Seahawks, too, maybe overshadowed a little bit by their elite pass rushing safety, Jamal Adams. Um, it's because, you know, they both kind of had to play out of position to supplement a weak Seahawks pass rush. So um, I think, you know, the Rams, they won the Super Bowl last year, and they're in contention. They're one of the better teams throughout the year consistently. Because, and you can measure this in terms of, you know, wins above replacement war. Cooper Cup was the best at his position. Aaron Donald was one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And Jalen Ramsey was one of the best cover corners in the NFL. Um, maybe they aren't really playing up to that same level this year. But this is, and when we talk about being process-oriented, this is probably the best Rams roster in supporting cast Matthew Stafford's going to have 
over the next 45 years and over the remainder of his career with the Rams and in the NFL. When you pay someone $40 million a year like they're doing with him and they've committed to him long-term, it's you have trade-offs and you have opportunity costs where you're not able to maintain this level of, of the roster and you know they're going to have to change their team-building approach moving forward. So if he's struggling with this supporting cast and you know if you're favored by seven points on average in a game and you're giving teams extra possessions through interceptions and turnovers, really it's only it's a narrow margin of victory in the NFL and those mistakes only you know further that margin or really shrink that margin. So I just being process oriented, I'm not seeing a version of Matthew Stafford that I'd want to commit to for the next four to five years. And especially in the context that this roster is probably going to get worse. And, you know, Van Jefferson's out this week as it relates to the Cardinals. He's probably coming back in the near future. But OBJ, Van Jefferson, you know, Ben Skronik is playing fullback now. And that's an encouraging development for the team. But they really got to find someone else to get involved with that's Tutu Atwell, maybe someone like Lance McCutcheon. But they need a downfield element to this offense. They need it fast. You mentioned uh, Stafford's contract in the article. You mentioned it here now, too. And uh, just to clarify or to yeah dive deeper into that, I do think it's interesting, like, looking at the numbers. We, we already know the Rams are going to be one of those teams that has committed the most money down the line to certain players to on the roster, right, that they aren't going to be able to get out of a lot of those. 2023, they're – they're already at the projected salary cap of $225 million, um, aren't going to be able to cut very many players or, or do any cap casualties at best. You know, being able to restructure Jalen Ramsey will just make his 2024 contract that much more guaranteed. So it's uh, it would be not advisable, I think, to restructure Jalen Ramsey next year. And the same thing for Leonard Floyd, who the Rams restructured this year, which essentially locked him in for 2023 at $22 million. You know, so you don't want to restructure Leonard Floyd again, although edge is already a thin position. And Matthew Stafford, another bargain season for him next year at a $20 million cap, it will make him one of the cheapest quarterbacks. And that sounds Great, but then you get into 2024, where again the Rams are already up against the projected salary cap of 256 million dollars. So they're already up against that now, and in that year, Matthew Stafford is a 50 million dollar quarterback. So he won't, you know, that number won't be coming down unless he restructures and uh, or rene- renegotiates. And then you've got Cooper Cup at $26 million, Aaron Donald at $34 million, Jalen Ramsey at $26 million, Leonard Floyd at $22 million, Allen Robinson at $18 million, Joseph Noteboom at $17 million, Bobby Wagner at $12 million, Rob Havenstein at $14 million. And the only real contracts there that you can get away from really are Bobby Wagner and Leonard Floyd um, with any considerable savings and there still would be dead money left over so it's kind of interesting to think about whatever the rams are now kind of has to be the rams in one to two years and in a couple of years you know matthew stafford's 35 36 we don't think that every quarterback is going to age and develop like tom brady does especially because of their styles the way that they play and i would say that tom brady's style is more conducive to a long career than Matthew Stafford's style, even though I think Matthew Stafford is one of the toughest players in the league and and will tough it out and go out there week after week. But that to what uh, to what degree is that a good idea? To what degree is that safe? You know, I do think this is something we talked about in the preseason, JB, and I, I still think it's a possibility, which is load management. They got John Wolford warmed up. They gave him reps with the ones in training camp. They gave Stafford whole weeks off. They, you know, put uh, Wolford in in the preseason. Um, I really wonder about when a week will come along when suddenly McVeigh says that Stafford surprisingly is on the injury report, not practicing because of arm fatigue or something else, you know. Uh, And then all of a sudden John Wolford is, is starting maybe an opportune game against you know, maybe an opponent that the Rams feel confident that they can beat. Although right now, I don't know 
uh, how confident the Rams are that they can beat, you know, I would, that team in the first half, like what did you see in the first half against the Falcons looking back on it now with a couple of days of hindsight, what did, did you see the Rams Super Bowl team or did you see that the Falcons are a bad team? Yeah, the Rams looked good. And so did Stafford. And he had, you know, dozen uh, double digit consecutive completions. That was really encouraging, but you know, he doesn't have to be a superstar for the Rams to be good. This is a superstar, an elite level roster. Sometimes he just needs to be along for the ride. And it strikes me that he maybe has trouble with that. And he wants to, you know, force the ball down the field and put the ball in positions where it doesn't necessarily need to be at risk in that regard. And, you know, I I think he's just kind of struggles to be a game manager sometimes. And that's what the interception Tyler Higby really struck me as. That was his first incomplete pass of the game was the interception to Hayward in the end zone. So um, that was a totally unnecessary risk that he took. And it really cost the team. And, you know, it gave the Falcons momentum, and that's really what started the comeback. So I think that's a bit of a concern. Um, and whenever you talk about quarterbacks, you know, we see Tom Brady, and he is an ageless wonder, and he's playing, you know, the best football of his career in his 40s. That's absurd. But, you know, you look at how Matt Ryan has fallen off recently. He was drafted the year before Matthew Stafford. So if any chance that Stafford is closer to the Matt Ryan on the spectrum than Tom Brady – and you're committed to him for that amount of time, and this roster is deteriorating around him, you know, things could get ugly pretty quick. And I think that's the root of it where, hey, the Rams are turning into the Detroit Lions. They might be 500 some years make the playoffs, but they're not serious contenders. They're going to have maybe even uglier years. Um, it's it's really interesting. Whenever you throw out numbers like that, I, I really get a pit in my stomach with in terms of how the salary caps look for a long time, you know. Um and maybe if you're not in contention, if you only are a nine and eight team or team or something this year, maybe Aaron Dom doesn't want to come back next year because he doesn't think you're a legitimate contending team. So it's just something to think about. And yeah, I mean, Stafford's elbow, we don't know much about it, but hopefully he's more Tom Brady on the spectrum than Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, everybody would uh, like to find that Brady magic, you know, and it is definitely something to really consider what the Rams will look like over the course of a full season. We know that they're going to change and uh, an interesting matchup starting this week against the Cardinals and the Cardinals were a tale of two teams and a tale of two halves last year, the Rams getting the full brunt of both, you know, first matchup, 37, 20 Cardinals victory playoff matchup, 34, 11 Rams victory and Deandre Hopkins not playing in those last two games, both Arizona losses, um, probably helpful there for Jalen Ramsey, for sure, helpful for the Rams. Um, and it hurt the Cardinals, a team that themselves don't look very good in the first two weeks. You know, you can criticize. Uh, it's not just like, oh, we're criticizing the Rams. No, we're talking objectively about football teams. So objectively speaking, the Rams and Cardinals both got blown out in week one um, to good teams, AFC teams. The Cardinals losing to the Chiefs, I believe, 44-21. And then in week two, Cardinals were about to take a huge L against the Raiders, 23-7 in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders. So that's sort of uh, turned into a Cardinals victory over there. And uh, I, what do you remember about playing the Cardinals last year? The 37-20 game is the type of result that if it happens in week three this Sunday, you know, I don't think you're going to get very many people upset with you, JB, about suggesting that the Rams have issues to fix. So uh, what do you think is the biggest fear as it relates to how the Rams lost last year to the Cardinals? Yeah, and Cooper Cup was pretty much erased from that game. And, you know, the Cardinals, I believe it's Byron Murphy, he did the same thing Devontae Adams last week. So uh, Cooper Cup in that first game last year had like 15 targets but only had five catches it was his lowest statistical output that he's had. I think he had 64 yards, which is just so much lower than what he's able to put out on a weekly basis because he's so consistent. Um, and if he has a performance like that, Murphy against Cup this week, you know, you hope someone like Allen Robinson steps up. Um, Murray, maybe you, this is an important week to get pressure off the edge. It's Ro Lewis, someone who's up for that task. Can Leonard Floyd really bounce back? I know he's kind of, you know, coming back from injury that he suffered in practice last week. So it's going to be interesting. One thing, you know, that really stands out about this year's Cardinals team 
Is Rondell Moore still injured? Doesn't sound like he's going to be back this week. Uh, Marquise Brown, they give up a first rounder for him. He has 10 catches for about 110 yards this season. Not really, you know, someone who scares you. Their leading receiver is Greg Dortch, who was a practice squad person for the Rams back in 2019, you know, a kick returner type special teams player. So um, I don't think the offense is really too scary. James Conner, the running back, is also dealing with an injury. He's 50-50, it seems, for the game. So this is a big week for the Rams defense to really step up, show that they've improved since that week one performance where they were unable to stop Josh Town in any meaningful way. And, you know, against the Cardinals defense, they've given up a lot of big plays in the passing game. This is an opportunity for the Rams offense to push the ball down the field and really show that they that this constraint, you know, short passing offense isn't really who they want to be and that they're more than that. Yeah, it's going to be uh, that sort of battle between two very different quarterbacks, but two effective quarterbacks uh, from last season. Although, you know, it's kind of like Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford. You would never confuse one for the other, but at the same time, they giveth and they taketh. And so, you know, we've seen both sides of those quarterbacks and it's kind of this interesting thing going on in the NFC West where you've got the Rams coming off of the Super Bowl victory, but they haven't looked so good in the first two games. You've got the Cardinals, they made the playoffs, 11 wins, but they haven't looked so good in the first two games. You've got the Seahawks without Russell Wilson and they're they're not going to be good. And they, uh, you know, that their week one victory seems like just a fluky thing that happened at home against their former quarterback. And then you've got the 49ers who were going to go into the year with Trey Lance. And then all of a sudden they're back to Jimmy Garoppolo and they've only beaten the Seahawks. So, you know, whatever the Rams are, they, I think they're in the best position right now to rebound. Um, you talked about, sort of being able to push the ball downfield. And that's been an interesting, you know, thing to watch so far. Matthew Stafford is 25th, 26th, about there in intended air yard per pass attempt at 6.3, conveniently tied with Joe Burrow, another quarterback who made the Super Bowl, another quarterback who is getting sacked at an extremely high rate, another quarterback who's throwing interceptions at a high rate. So both quarterbacks who reached the Super Bowl are off to inauspicious starts and not pushing the ball downfield. And you would also think that the Bengals with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are throwing that ball and chucking that thing. But Joe Burrow has not been very effective. Only five, six quarterbacks have a lower intended air yards for pass attempt than Matthew Stafford does, including Kyler Murray at 5.9. Without Van Jefferson, do you think that the Rams have somebody that they can throw the ball downfield to? What did you see in Allen Robinson? Do you think that Allen Robinson is going to be a guy who may be moving forward and change up sort of uh, what he's been doing or what should Rams fans expect out of other receivers besides Cooper Cup? Yeah, it's a good question. And really, Robinson was a non-factor for the Bills last year. And a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt and said, you know, it was just a bad Bills team. Matt Nagy was a lame duck head coach and that it wasn't a, a situation just where he the, could be the successful. Bears, the Bears. And, you know, whenever he's a free agent, the Rams signed him. And that signing was met with optimism and praise, really. And we gave Allen Robinson the benefit of the doubt coming into training camp. Sounded like, by all means and by all accounts, he crushed it and was really the Ram, one of the Rams' best receivers. There were more positive things said about him during training camp than there were about Cooper Cup. And, you know, it sounded like he was making big touchdown grabs almost every day in practice. So, we haven't seen that of Allen Robinson. I mean, we've seen him in the goal line, but we haven't really seen any downfield attempts to him. The one was a jump ball from Matthew Stafford after the game was already decided in week one, and he really didn't fight for the ball much. And it, it's a significant question that we don't have the answer to yet, and really no, you know, the sample size is way too small to be able to try to answer it, is how much Allen Robinson has left in the tank. I think in Chicago, people were writing him off. Um, you know, it was a bad team, so we gave him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not sure that necessarily he deserves that from what we've seen in Los Angeles. So he really needs to step up in a big way and show that he can still be a factor in this offense, especially if Byron Murphy erases Cooper Cup. 
and they're going to need a secondary option. Maybe this is a week you get Toots Batwell involved. Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, talked about heading to the Bills game. They had a great plan for Atwell, but the Bills dropping seven defenders into coverage on a regular basis really threw them off that plan. Uh, let's see it. Let's reinstate the plan. Let's get him involved. Let's get him going. I haven't seen a lot of jet sweeps. Um, really thank the Rams. I mean, you know, Bryson Hopkins, a person who maybe w- could be a, a downfield threat in the seam. Now he's he's suspended for the next three games. So uh, Tyler Higby's really been wide receiver number two, and now he doesn't have a backup. So I don't know where the reinforcements are going to come from, especially if Cup is erased in this game or maybe not his normal productive self where he's good for 150 yards. But you have to get more out of Allen Robinson. You have to have someone step up out of the young players, whether that's Ben Skronik or Tutu Atwell. And, um, you know, it's an important game for the Rams. If they lose this, you know, the Cardinals are going to have a pretty good lead on the division and you don't play them for a long time, not till the tail end of the season. So um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, these numbers are super early. So we have to, I don't know why I hate the phrase, take it with a grain of salt, maybe because it's overused but we have to take these with a grain of salt. The Rams average depth of target among receivers. I get these at profootballreference.com just in case anyone is wondering, but the Rams average depth of target for their receivers. They don't have a player in the top 50. These are really early numbers, uh, but they don't have a player in the top 50. I mean, among players who have been targeted at least 10 times, which uh, Scott, which the Rams only have a couple of players who even been targeted 10 times. But among the players who have been targeted at least 10 times, I mean, uh, Ben Skowernick is not even in the top, I would say, 20, but even not in the top 50 of all players in average depth of target. He's a 10.4. He's caught six of nine targets for all of 41 yards. So, you know, it does make sense that Ben Skowernick would be, I guess, the deep threat because that's kind of the role he played last year. You know, it's kind of that's the role that he would play. Uh, and sometimes he catches them, sometimes he doesn't. But six of nine uh, on targets, and he's averaging 10.4 average depth of target, which is just a hair below Robert Woods uh, with the Titans so far. And, you know, there's a lot of players uh, in the league getting targeted deeper than that. Then you've got Allen Robinson at 9.6, an average depth of target. He's all the way down at 70th. And so that's where he's at so far through two games, only seven targets, five catches for 65 yards. So I don't even know like where that ADOT will be in a month because they only managed seven throws to him, which when you're losing 31 to 10 or losing to the bills and you're not able to air it out, you're not able to take those shots. It raises questions about the ability to do so. It's not like, the Rams were rushing for 200 yards and that's why they didn't throw the ball. You know, there, there just wasn't that aspect to the game. No Van Jefferson, all the, like you're saying, JB, all this talk in the preseason and the training camp about Allen Robinson and Tutu Atwell turns out that it might just be talk. You know, this is the same organization, which won the Super Bowl. It does a great job. I have nothing but great things to say. You know, it's like, we're just talking here about what's very true. Sometimes uh, organizations need to get, you know, we talk about the good and the bad. Write nine nice articles about the Rams. Nobody says anything, right? One article that says, hey, is this necessarily going wrong? All of a sudden people are chiming in. But this is the same team that told us, oh, no, no, no. We think Deshaun Jackson is going to be a big time player for us. You know, so eh, maybe you were wrong. Well, maybe just as wrong about Allen Robinson. We don't know yet. And he wasn't effective with the Bears, although I don't think that that offense was going to, yeah, that offense didn't have a lot going for it. But Brandon Cooks, a great example of a former Ram, he was successful with the Texans. They don't have anything going for them. He was successful with the Patriots, the Saints, the Rams. Brandon Cooks, wherever he goes, does something. Allen Robinson, not the case. Didn't necessarily always have good years with the Jaguars. Didn't always necessarily have good years with the Bears. And it's up to the Rams, Liam Cohen, to show us what was so worth $18 million a year with Allen Robinson at this point, especially. Then you've got Cooper Cup at 91st in average depth of target at 7.8. Of course, he has been targeted 29 times. 
catching 24 passes for 236 yards. And then you go all the way down to the next guy on the Rams in depth of target, which is Tyler Higby, 20 targets, 3.8 yards, average depth of target. So you're making all of these uh, chip shots, I guess, at Tyler Higby and, and Cooper Cup, which the Higby shots is just not that much payoff. You know, getting the ball to Tyler Higby, it's not like getting the ball to Travis Kelsey. It's not like getting the ball to Darren Waller. These are just completions, you know, and even then it's 12 of 20. It's not a very high completion rate. Without Cooper Cup, really questionable to see where the Stafford would even be, where the Rams would even be now without Cooper Cup because, you know, he has made all of the plays essentially now for the Rams other than in the first half against the Falcons. Uh, We saw a couple other plays, but for the most part, it's going that way. Anything about this average depth of target that stands out to you? Yeah, I'm not surprised that Cuffs is so low just because the Rams often use him as an extension of the running game. And, you know, Tyler Higby, as you mentioned, has been such an inefficient target. So he's had a lot of drops, which is which uncharacteristic for him. And you think about that excellent throw Matthew Stafford threw on the goal line, sidearm, threaded the needle between defenders, and Higby dropped it. Was the degree get difficulty extremely high? Yes, but, I mean, you looked at he was wide open against the Bills at times, and he just dropped some passes. So you wonder if it's a mental issue. I know when players are declining, sometimes you're a step slower, and that's when you really have the drops. And, you know, Higby's been around for a long time. It's possible he's losing a step. And, you know, he's been such a physical player. He's dealt with injuries. Uh, it's it's an extremely, you know, possible factor for him that, you know, he's slowing down at this stage in his career. So uh, he's been the number two wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that Ben Skronik is – the you know the highest average at the target player for the Rams on offense. He I think you know Matthew Stafford even missed him a couple times. I think he broke open on some plays, especially out of the backfield against the Falcons. So and you saw if you remember from the NFC Championship game, you know he was wide open down the field and the 49ers dropped the ball dropped the ball. So you have to keep targeting him just because even the absolute worst receivers in the NFL, if you throw them 10 passes, they're gonna catch eight of them. And even the players at the highest frequency of drops it might only happen, you know, two or three times out of 10. So it's a rare occurrence. These are professionals and you have to keep throwing the ball downfield. I think Ben Skronik is also a little faster than he gets credit for. I'd like to be, see him used as a burner and just as, just with his size, you think he could be a contested catch player too. So um, get him matched up against a smaller defensive back or safety or linebacker and see what he can do. I think, you know, that might be your best option at this point. Talk a little bit, uh, take a little heat off of Matthew Stafford here uh, for something else. Um, running the ball, you know, uh, I got some other advanced stats here. And this one I think is very important. The Rams, yards before contact per rushing attempt. Uh, JB, let me ask you, the lowest yards before contact per attempt is 1.1. The highest yard before contact per rushing attempt is 5.0 through two games. Where do you think the Rams rank between 1.1 and 5.0? I'm guessing the five team is probably the Lions. Their offensive line has been excellent. Uh, I mean, Rams probably, in the least in the bottom five of that group, if I had to guess. But I, you know, my first time seeing these numbers, of course. It is. It is. Uh, yeah, it's uh, like the magician, you know, and there's nothing under my sleeves here. Uh, the Rams, 1.2 yards before contact for rushing attempt. They are 31st in the league. The L.A. Chargers are the only team below them at 1.1. Uh, and this is an offensive line that we've seen. Hey, you've got Joseph Noteboom starting for the first time at left tackle. A Hall of Famer has retired, and Andrew Whitworth. I do think, based on his longevity, his high quality of play, his standing in the community with NFL wide, you know, stuff, he is a Hall of Famer. Maybe it'll take him a few votes to get in. But at the end of the day, now Joseph Nopu comes in. 
Then at center, you've got Brian Allen, already kind of a questionable center. At right guard, you had Coleman Shelton, already kind of a questionable right guard. And then Brian Allen gets hurt. So you move Coleman Shelton into center, already kind of a questionable center. And then you put Tremaine Ankrum at right guard, already kind of a questionable right guard. And then Tremaine Ankrum is going on injured reserve. So it's uh, even deeper into the well. And when I say questionable of these players, it's because they're not five, six, seven-year starting vets like Rob Havenstein is. I can at least know what Robin Havenstein is. So uh, what are we, to what degree here do we say, hey, the Rams' woes, their issues, if they have issues, whatever it is, the thing's going wrong, uh, it has something to do with the offensive line. How much do you think we can talk about the Rams' offensive line? And especially they go back to 2019, the worst season under Sean McVay so far, nine and seven, uh, probably the worst year for the offensive line. So what do you think so far about the offensive line and all of the uh, moving parts so far? Yeah, it's hard to judge the offensive line, especially in terms of analytics and metrics, because that performance in week one against the Bills was such an outlier and they got manhandled that as you get a larger sample size and you get further removed from that game, their performance is really going to, you know, round into form more like what we would expect and something that really surprised me is fans and I saw this you know in the comment section turf show times I lurk from time to time but um fans are really high on Coleman Shelton's performance saying that he was even an upgrade over Brian Allen but you know I post the weekly PFF grades and really that's I trust them to evaluate offensive line play just because it's so hard for us uh, to pass the eye test and really pay attention to five individual players at once but Coleman Shelton was the worst graded player on offense against the Falcons. And, you know, he's he's been above average in the past game, but he's been well below average in terms of run blocking. So Rob Havenstein, A.J. Jackson is a plus run, def- run blocker. Um, he's really going to be an improvement in that regard. I'm anxious to see how he kind of, you know, if he can help improve in that regard in that facet of the game. When, once he replaces, you know, Tremaine Ingram for full time and, you know, Rob Havenstein, Alaric Jackson on the right side, it makes you one-dimensional when your best run blockers are on one side of the offensive line. David Edwards hasn't performed well. He was atrocious against the Bills, especially in pass protection. But if, you know, if teams know that, you know, Joseph Nobum's not moving anyone, David Edwards isn't really moving anyone, and your only hope is that your road grader is on the right side of the line, it makes you one-dimensional. And, you know, and, and in a weird way that I'm not sure I quite understand, it seems like the two big runs by Daryl Henderson and the double-digit yardage have come off the left side. So um, it's an encouraging sign to see Ben Skronik playing fullback. I think the that is a bigger component in the pass game than the run game. I know that sounds backwards, but the, the possibilities of how you can utilize Skronik downfield out of the backfield where it's harder for safeties and linebackers to keep track of them is just so, I think, important. And, you know, in the run game, you know, if you really kind of tip your hand when you line up in the I formation and teams know there's a possibility going to run the football, uh, this isn't really a team that's going to grind out tough yards on the ground. It's really a, a ploy to push the ball down the field in the pass game. So I, we, in terms of the offensive line, to get back to the question, I think you need to see improvement out of David Edwards. He's been an up and down and consistent type player for the Rams, but he needs to you know rebound this year. Uh, Joseph Nopum has always been a better pass blocker than run blocker. But you need that left side to come together and really equalize that strength of the run blocking on the right side, where also just makes you one-dimensional overall on offense. You talked about being one-dimensional. You talked about being able to run running plays not out of an eye formation. Uh, JB, I'm going to play another game here with you. Tell me what these quarterbacks have in common. Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, and Cooper Rush. They have run zero types of what kind of play, JB? Uh, I don't even know. Maybe no idea. It's not really a tough question. It's a tough question. I wouldn't know what to say either. They've run zero RPOs. They've run no run pass options this season. Uh, Those are not mobile quarterbacks. Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Jameis Winston, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Cooper Rush. Zero RPOs. 
Then there's the guys who've run one RPO, Joe Flacco, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousin, Mitch Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dak Prescott. These are guys that they don't have any RPO to them. Um, and that is, you know, not necessarily something in the past that we would have ever thought about or cared about or even need to know about. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes has run six RPO plays. He's not an RPO quarterback. Justin Herbert has run nine RPO plays. Uh, he's not necessarily an RPO quarterback, but they're athletic enough to get those plays done. And they also have the play action, you know, by being able to do an RPO, you can either pass the ball, obviously, or you can run the ball, obviously. You've got the leaders in RPO plays, Jalen Hurts, Marcus Mariota, who the Rams just faced, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Tua Tonga-Veoa. You know, these are going to be plays more and more. And it kind of makes me think more and more about when you commit to a guy like Matthew Stafford on a four-year, $160 million contract that begins in 2023, you're committing to not, you know, evolving the offense for at least a few more years. It's going to continue to be an under center uh, or in shotgun, you know, sort of offense. Uh, and ironically, you know, John Wolford and Bryce Perkins would be RPO uh, quarterbacks. They're like the complete opposite. So if you ever had to make that switch, you know, the offense would probably have to change considerably as it did with John Wolford when he started against the Cardinals a couple of years ago. But it's just no RPO, none of that type of plays. And it does sort of make you not just necessarily, not necessarily one-dimensional, but if you've got Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, whatever running back you have in the I formation, whatever running back you have there, he's got to create yards. He's got to break tackles. He's got to have vision. He's got to be fast. He's got to miss, make guys miss. He cannot go down on first contact. Cam Akers has not been an explosive, exciting, uh, create yards after contact running back since his injury. Daryl Henderson is not an explosive running back. You know, you give him what you give, give him, and then he will take what is there in front of him, and there's nothing else to it. Kyron Williams, we don't know anything about him. He's hurt. He wasn't necessarily the most exciting running back in the draft. You know, I don't expect much of all of anything out of a fifth-round pick. If you're going to get a running back out of uh, a draft, you know, Cam Akers at 57, he was kind of drafted high enough to be given that consideration. And it's interesting. The Rams find themselves in a position now where next year in the draft, drafting a running back in the second round once again becomes not just a possibility, JB. I think it becomes a likelihood. You have to put it in like the top three because this is the position that the the Rams are in. They're not going to run RPOs with Matthew Stafford. They're not going to make Stafford be a mobile quarterback. He's not going to scramble. He's not going to pick up any yards with his legs. It's got to be a running back who – who can gain yards when the opposing defense knows that the Rams are going to run the football. Um, What are your thoughts on the running back position, the players that are in the room, the players that could be added this year, uh, whether or not the Rams should be looking for more running backs this year that maybe could be out there and addressing the position next year. Yep. One point on your RPO note is that the Shanahan tree really doesn't like RPOs. And something that I find pretty interesting is that, you know, Tua in Miami ran a high percentage of RPOs up there with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts last year. And it was it's kind of a departure from what Mike McDaniel is familiar with to be able to adopt that in Miami and continue that uh, as part of their offense with Tua. So I thought that was something should the Kyle Shanahan might adopt with Trey Lance in San Francisco. And we really only saw Trey Lance for a game and a half, but that really isn't something that they made as a major part of their offense or even a if at all. So kind of a surprise, but I don't think you're going to see Sean McVay um, really ever ask his quarterbacks to do that either. It's just not in their DNA, surprisingly enough. So, um, but I will say in terms of running backs, you're going to have a lot more draft capital than you're used to, um, you know, not having first round picks. This is your last year as part of the Matthew Stafford trade, not having a first round pick. So it's time to go find the next Todd Gurley. I know that's easier said than done, that's really that this offense hasn't been the same without a running back of that caliber. And I think the Rams, especially when Cam Akers flashes a rookie, that's what they thought they had in him as someone who can be a primary lead workhorse type running back. But, um, you know, he suffered that Achilles injury, 
Daryl Henderson has always been intended to be a complimentary type player. Um, but we'll see moving forward uh, how they this running back room shakes out. I'm not sure you can find a good external replacement at this point. If there, there's a lot of running back needing teams, you saw the Chargers scoop up someone like Sonny Michelle. He was really your best running back of the three last year. Um, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I definitely think whenever you talk about drafting a running back, maybe in the second round, uh, you have to find a premier talent, someone who can be physical in the run game, someone who can be involved in the past game, similar to what Gurley was, you know, in 2018 with that Super Bowl team before his knee injury. But um, you really, I don't think any of your stable running backs at this point have it in them to be that explosive type back. Kyron Williams, really a high volume pass catcher. Uh, and we'll see how the Rams can maybe find, you know, someone moving forward, but maybe not a lot, lot of options at their disposal right now for 2022. Let's uh, wrap up by talking about, well, let's talk about two things before we wrap up. The Rams rank 32nd in special teams DVOA. This is actually what drags them down a little bit the most, even though special teams is way the least, but it does drag the Rams DVOA ranking down to 29th overall, a 32nd ranking in special teams. It's a very short, small sample size that includes a blocked punt. I guess, you know, I don't know what to think about, you know, Riley Dixon or Johnny Hecker, you know, kind of those comparisons. Um, But do you have any thoughts on the special teams? Yeah, I mean, I had, I can't think of a time that Brandon Powell's impressed me yet this year. And there's a lot of film on him from last year, too. So maybe teams are smart and they're using directional punting to prevent him from having much opportunities in the return game. But, uh, yeah, it hasn't been very optimistic. And you had to take an intentional safety to beat a team like the Atlanta Falcons, who you mentioned, you know, maybe a four-win team, not really a – they're not going to even be even close to 500. And then to follow that up, you kicked the free kick out of bounds and gave him the ball on the 50 yard mm-hmm. line. That are re- that really is not like, it's very head scratching, you know, and you can't compound mistakes. That's how you lose games uh, on, on top of the blocked punt. So it's a big concern for LA. Uh, and finally defense, you know, something that we talked about uh, the turf show times staff and I posted it there on the turf show times website talking about, you know, what, uh, what, what to do about, maybe the, the defense, the pass defense, because I think on one hand, the Rams, they might be better on defense than they are on offense. And on the other hand, there's been pretty clear holes uh, and things that are patchworked right now uh, and not a lot of like really high-end, I guess, let's just say top 12 starters at their positions, except for Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, and maybe that there will be changes there. Ernest Jones, maybe it will be, you know, Leonard Floyd, maybe things can happen there. But in terms of the Rams getting pressure on the quarterback or in terms of covering some of these fantastic receivers, like we're going to see not the deepest wide receiver core this week against the Cardinals uh, without DeAndre Hopkins there, you know, Ron, uh, Rondale Moore, I didn't hear anything from him so far this year. Hollywood Brown made a fantastic catch uh, against the Raiders. Uh, I don't know exactly how much of a volume there's going to be going to Hollywood Brown. Greg Dortch, former Rams player, you know, is uh, now one of the top receivers there for Arizona. As the season goes on, it's only going to get a tougher and tougher test. We haven't even, you know, it was just one preview of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. And it's like, boom, you know, they put up a bunch of points. Then it's Drake London. He kind of gets what he wants. And, but as the season goes on, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Patrick Mahomes, you've got Aaron Rodgers, you've got Tom Brady, you've got Russell Wilson, you know, you've got Mike Evans and uh, maybe the return of Chris Godwin and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and, you know, so many Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayoub, George Kittle, guys that are going to catch the ball. So depth wise, how would you address or uh, reflect on, you know, the way that the Rams are set up defensively right now? Sure. I just see that they're giving up a lot of completions and not a lot of forced and not a lot of passes defensed, not a lot of forcing the ball out and making contact early. And something that gives me a concern in the middle of the defense is you put me on the spot with some numbers. So I'm going to return the favor a little bit. We'll see if this is if the, how this works out, but 
Ernest Jones has been targeted seven times. Bobby Wagner has been targeted three times, according to PFF tracking. So a 10, 10 targets total. How many completions do you think they've given up out of those 10? Wow. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say seven. Okay. It's a hundred percent completion rates. They've given up 10 out of 10. So, and Ernest Jones has been close to a couple. It's been some tight windows, but you really, with his length, you really just want to see him interrupt some passing lanes. And I'm not sure how replicable that is moving forward because, you know, I think you just expect, expect this defense to be better. And, you know, saying with these PFF numbers, Jalen Ramsey has given up 17 and a half yards per catch. David Long Jr., another player similar to Allen Robinson, who maybe had more hype this offseason and hasn't lived up to it so far in the regular season. Uh, he's at 15.7 yards, and Troy Hill's at 15.8 yards. We know Troy Hill's going to be out for some time. That really is going to give opportunities to Kobe Durant, maybe Robert Rochelle, uh, Darion Kendrick. So we're going to see these young corners put to the test. And whenever you're playing 10 yards off the football, Ball, and that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but you're going to give up a lot of easy completions. And I just want to see this defense force the ball out and knock some passes down. And, and another note, we talked about the edge rusters and how the Rams might be in that market towards a trade deadline. Our, uh, Terrell Lewis has just been head and shoulders better than Justin Hollins, in my opinion. He's been better rushing the passer. He's been better in the run defense. He's been better. In, he's been actually really, really good in coverage, 80.8 PFF coverage grade. Um, I just would. I want to see the Rams stop the platooning of those two. Leave Terrell Lewis out on the field to the extent that he can with his health concerns. And you know, maybe you don't need to add a pass rusher and the and give up draft capital in that regard. But I just think give Terrell Lewis the shot to be the full time starter. I think it's going to improve the defense in in that facet too. Yeah, and the Ray, uh, the Rams added uh, Tack McKinley from the from a practice squad. On Wednesday, Tack McKinley, former first round pick in 2017, but just can't even stick with the team anymore. So I, I just don't think that McKinley is going to even show up. I, I just don't even really have any expectations there. You know, if a guy was drafted in the first round and then doesn't perform, I don't, I don't care what round he was drafted in but I know a lot of people are definitely gonna think oh well there's a former first round pick uh, you know the Rams definitely need help that's going to need to come in the form of somebody other than Tack McKinley not a Tack McKinley type of guy obviously this is a dramatically different than uh, trading for Von Miller and as you say maybe you know the help can come internally from Terrell Lewis certainly I would think that Terrell Lewis has a higher uh, floor and ceiling than Tack McKinley, although that is another thing that Rams fans can uh, look out for. And certainly, uh, and nobody hates playing next to Aaron Donald. So, and Greg Gaines and Ashawn Robinson, you know, that is a stout defensive line as good as any defensive line you think going in. So, that is definitely a strength there. Bobby Wagner, Ernest Jones behind them, Jalen Ramsey on the outside. And, you know, there are positives there. Kobe Durant uh, having a a week there for the Rams. So there are going to be positives looking forward to over the course of the next 15 games. So we always cover the positives. We also cover maybe some of the more bigger concerns. And, you know, for the Rams to pull themselves out of criticism as they did last year, win your games, you know, just win and look good and uh, nothing else really uh, will matter. But uh, yeah, this has been Turf Show Lions and uh, that's what you get uh, from us every week. So go ahead and hit subscribe. Stay tuned for last minute thoughts later this week between JB uh, and, uh, and there will be more talk about you know, some of those last minute thoughts going into Rams, Cardinals in week three, and then the instant reaction podcast after Rams, Cardinals, uh, where we'll talk about whatever happened between Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray this Sunday, week three. Huge game uh, because the, you know, whoever comes out of this game as a loser is going to be one and two and going to be, you know, 0-1 in the division. So, that's a, a, a not a great way to start. So to be one and two versus to be two and one will feel good. Uh, JB, any final 
thoughts before you get to last minute thoughts this week, but any final thought on the Rams Cardinals? Yeah, it's a big game. Um, Want to see the offense take a step forward and push the ball down the field. And on the defensive side, it stops, you know, the Cardinals weapons don't really scare me. I think if you bottle up the run and you force Kyler Murray to beat you, he just doesn't have a lot of help right now. And he might struggle in that regard. But if you allow him to run around and extend plays, you know, you as long as they did against the Raiders, you don't really have any chance of covering guys down the field. So um, you got to stop the run and you got to get after him, put him under pressure. Uh, and if you can make him look like you did in the wild card round on that Monday night football game, that wouldn't be so bad, but probably not realistic expectations. So we'll see how the Rams fare. 100%. Uh, you know, if the Rams show up as they did in their last meeting against the Cardinals, uh, that will say a lot about how the Rams have responded uh, to their last two games. And if it feels at all like 37-20, you know, then we will be having more controversial conversations potentially. I'm Kenneth Arthur for Turf Show Times. Hit subscribe, go to turfshowtimes.com, follow us on Twitter, and we'll be back next time with another episode of the Turf Show Times podcast.